Let us pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we ask for your Holy Spirit to help us as individuals receive what your word is in Scripture today. We know that you have the same message, yet very different messages for each one of us. You alone know what it is that we need to go forward to be your people. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you. For you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's passage is the lectionary, and it's very intense, and it's very confusing, so much so that we need to actually go to Christ first in order to discern what this is about. One of the principles of discernment as Christians, when we're trying to figure things out, and we're trying to ascertain the truth, is that we go to God first. We go to Christ first. And even if it's just a little touchstone, we remember who we are in God's sight. And we remember something that is so elemental and so important, and that is, is that it's Christ is the Savior. And he is the Savior of everything. He is about love and grace. And he is consistent with himself. And we have known his love and grace. And only when the Holy Spirit shows it to us and we can kind of put aside the things that are crippling us, we see his love and grace. And he shows it to us in amazing ways. And what you have to understand is that this passage is in the Bible. And the Bible is a love letter. And the Bible is a love letter for a very important reason in that it reveals the truth in the way that nothing else does. But because it's a love letter, we come to it from a place of love. And we seek what Christ is telling us through Scripture. And we see the panoramic view of what has happened in the beginning and what is happening now is all of a wonderful love and grace peace. The Bible shows us the truth. And one of the things that we've got to keep in mind is that the end, and there will be an end, of earth, of civilization, of culture as we know it, is not a punishment. It's not like God is out here and goes, bam. What it is is a consequence of people in their corporate sin the collective sin of humanity is what brought us to this place. And here it says in Scripture, there will be nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom and earthquakes and pestilence and fearful events. Oh, no. But we can start thinking about things that are going on. I just read an article about Oklahoma where fracking is causing earthquakes to occur in a place that hasn't seen many earthquakes. And I just read and heard, and you probably too, that the Ebola virus is now resistant to things and it's becoming more powerful. And we all can attest to unprecedented weather events. And the Middle East has become synonymous with war. But we've always had catastrophe. When the bubonic plague hit Europe in the Middle Ages and over half of the population was wiped out, they knew it was the end of the world, but it wasn't. 
There's also some things written about Mount Vesuvius when it erupted and people were covered in lava and died on the spot, that this was the sign of the end of the world. But it wasn't. The Holocaust, when six million Jews were exterminated, this was often written about by the neo-Orthodox theologians as this is the sign of the end of the world. But it wasn't. Here's what we know. We don't know. Scripture is pretty clear that if we devote time and energy to trying to figure it out, it can become an obsession. You know, I think years ago I told you about my dear Aunt Esther who had a Sunday school class that she taught for 50 years and her only subject was the book of Revelations as they would dig into it and dig into it and try to find out what's going on. We're not supposed to have that much control and we're not supposed to have that much knowledge because that is God stuff. Using God-given imagination, which he has given to each one of us to imagine possibilities and hope and love and connection, using that to imagine the worst paralyzes us with fear. So what this passage is about is corruption playing itself out. It's not about outside punishment coming to land on us. It's about consequences. And to his disciples, Jesus now says, but before all of this, they will lay hands on you and persecute you all on account of my name. And his name is the way, the truth, and the life. It's a language, it's words that are more than a proper noun. When you say Jesus Christ is Lord, and when we say I love you Jesus, the earth shifts a little bit on his axis, on its axis. It is that powerful. When we say the name Jesus Christ, the divine spark that is within each one of us comes alive. That name has so much power that it brings people to their knees. The name of Jesus Christ has so much power, it allows us to love when humanly impossible. It has so much power that it can stop evil in its tracks. It has power to redeem the worst situation. It has power to resurrect and resurrect people from the dead. It is life, and people hate it because it's too simple. He is the Savior. That's too simple. That's too good. And in his name, for those who believe and turn to him, which is the very meaning of repentance, this is the killer that people can't stand to hear. There's no condemnation. It's on the front of the bulletin. It's what Brian read earlier. And we want to exact our own kind of justice. But for those who love Christ, there is no condemnation. And then he introduces into the world a concept that is so at odds with the way the world works that people hate it. They think they like it, but not really. And that is the concept of grace. People can live their entire life without internalizing this concept. Grace is a status with God that we don't deserve, 
It's his love for us that in spite of what we do, how much we hurt others, how much we hurt ourselves, God's love continues on. And here's the thing that I have talked to you about for years. He lo- when we turn to Christ and say to him, I'm in, I'm yours, he gives us grace as if each one of us is his favored person in all the earth because he can do that. And favorites is a bad word in this culture because you think if someone is a favorite then someone is left out. No. In the grace of God, it is each one of us who is his absolute favored person. People don't want to hear this. And it used to be that I thought this is the winning thing that I can preach to people about is grace. Who doesn't want grace? Well, if you don't believe in sin, it doesn't have much meaning. And the world has actually gotten to that place where people don't recognize what they do. In 1980, when I was a very, very, very young woman, I learned about grace from my pastor at um, Hollywood Presbyterian Church in California who I kept coming to him with my worst self because I had a wild time. I wasn't a good or nice person necessarily. And I'd come to him and I'd say, this is who I am. And he would bestow the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ on me. And then I would come to him again and say, but I haven't told you this yet. This is who I am. And he would bestow the love of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. And I would say, but these are the thoughts I have. And he would bestow the love of God and the grace of Christ. And after a time of meeting with him, he said, you should be a minister. I said, are you kidding me? I know who I am. And he says, but that's just it. You do, and you understand the grace of God. And at that point, he introduced to me the concept of wounded healer, that is so powerful, it has carried me my entire life. That if we are truly in Jesus Christ, we recognize not how great we are, but how wounded we are. And that Christ can use us in spite of our wounds, can use us because of our wounds. Christ came to heal and restore and empty and actually kill our pride so that we can be used by him. And I remember when I first came to Christ our King 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I wanted to, people to talk about their growing edge and their woundedness. And not everybody, some people wanted to do this, but most of you just looked at me and thought, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And I'm saying, if we do not know our own woundedness, we have no business being together. In order to be in Christ and receive the full impact of his name, we need to humble ourselves before him and kill deadly pride, and know the overwhelming relief that comes when we can be clean with God. C.S. Lewis has said it all along, that pride is the worst sin. When we understand that we give it all to him, our thoughts, the way we think, our perceptions of the world, our perceptions of ourselves, the people we love, 
the circumstances we find ourselves in, the future, and we give it all to him, there is something amazing that happens to our soul. We are with the saints in the kingdom of God that lasts forever. So then scripture goes on to say, I will persecute you on account of my name. Great. And it is happening. We do get persecuted for saying that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. And we have known about this for a long time in other parts of the world. But it happens here. It happens among churches. Jesus Christ is the truth and the way. There is no other way, folks. His way is huge. His way is overwhelmingly huge. He will bring all of the world to him eventually, somehow. But we are privileged to know the truth that God showed up. People feel that they have a right and are entitled to create their own Jesus. I've never seen anything like it. You know, and when I talk about this, I promised you last week that I'm not going to refer to anything that has happened here or the people here. But throughout my ministry, there has always been a contingent of people who say, I understand the forgiveness, but I'll never forget. It's because we don't want to forget. The Holy Spirit actually allows us to forget and fills in the people pieces of our anger so we don't need to be angry anymore. The way of Christ is so radical. We don't get to make it up because it's God. Christ knows more than we do. Christ is bigger and more powerful than we are. But when he brings in his collective people to the church, anything can happen for good if we are open to it. And then the scripture goes on to say, but you will be my witnesses, even though you're being persecuted, you will be my witnesses. And this is the highest compliment that the living God can give us because we will be witnesses of what it means to be wounded and imperfect, recipients of grace, and people will go, okay, that's for me too. Make up your mind not to worry, it says. It continues, really? Can you just make up your mind and then not worry? But I have told you for years about this um, special devotional that my pastor wrote. And he said, worry is thinking turned toxic. It's imagination to picture the worst. We get dressed up like mountain climbers just to climb over anthills. It's a low-grade form of agnosticism when we believe God doesn't know and God doesn't care and God can't do anything. Make up your mind not to worry. And then comes the amazing statement that could only come from God because it is humanly impossible. And he said, if you're attacked, do not plan a defense for yourself. Don't go there. Don't defend yourself if you are attacked because of me. That's my business. Don't build a case. Don't try to be a lawyer. Don't try to stack up facts. So when you're attacked, I have this proof. I have the facts. Because if you are being betrayed, and this is scripture, they're not going to change their mind about you. You can offer all the facts in the world, but if people are set against you, and I'm talking to all of us, I am not picking out people. 
Everybody has gone through this. If you have ever said that Jesus Christ is Lord and meant it, you will be at some time in your life in some way under attack. There is nothing you can do. Betrayal by the adversary is to be expected. Christ, the name of Christ, insists that each one of us deals with our pride, our self-promotion, our caring too much about what other people think. And then it just doesn't end. And then it says, all men will come to hate you because of me. Great. And then I remembered something. And this is my veteran illustration for today. As you know, um, Louis Zamperini, the guy from Unbroken, was someone I knew very, very well in the 80s, early 80s, because his office was close to mine in the church in California. And I remembered he actually talked about this, about all people hating him because of Christ. It was when he was imprisoned, a POW in Japan during World War II, he said the people who imprisoned him stopped thinking of him as a human being. They didn't see Louis as an extension of them. They saw Louis as the other, and he was treated like an animal. But to make things worse, the people who were his people, the people who were other prisoners of war, whenever he saw them and connected with them, also hated him because he kept, he was an evangelist. I don't know if that came across in the movie, but Louis was an evangelist. And it's because he kept saying, go to God, go to God. God will take care of you. God will give you strength. And they said, shut up, we're in hell. Don't tell me to go to God. And Louis would say, go to God, go to God. Well, obviously the period of time when people hated him didn't last forever. But I thought it is possible. That is what they're talking about. They're, that is what scripture is talking about. And then scripture gives the most incredible um, promise a little earlier in this and says, but I will give you words that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. So we don't prepare our own defense. We wait on Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and I will give you words that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And contained somewhere in those words are what every soul is longing to hear. Christ loves you just the way you are. You have done nothing that will keep him away from you. Forgiveness is right here. And step into dip into, jump into grace. The only reason we can love at all is because he first loved us. And we realize we can't figure this out. What is the end? What is the beginning? We don't know. All scripture promises us is birth pains. The beginning of the true relationship with Christ can start right now. Let us pray. Dear Lord, there's a part of us that um, actually resists letting you in. Because letting you in 
asks of us that we open our entire souls to you. But we do it. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We love you. Amen.